0: Ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived. You have arrived. We made it. We survived. Training camps are open. This is the Mightier 1090 ESPN. I'm John Browner, as always, joined by world-famous comedian Jason Lawhead. This is Browner and Lawhead on the Mightier 1090 ESPN. And we, we have football to talk about. What's up, Jason?
1: What up? How was your weekend, buddy?
0: You know, I got to tell you, man. I ate at a place, uh, Jeff's Beach Burgers, and, and oh yeah, Australia Shores. I think it's okay. got some competition. It, it is, oh by yeah, far, it is by far the best burger I've had in a, in a couple years. One at a fast food place. Two, it has the it, it has a very distinct. It, it tastes like what people talk about in and out tastes like. I'll put it like that. Because mm. you know how people say, oh, you come to California, you got to go to In-N-Out, got to go In-N-Out. I would encourage anybody who goes to In-N-Out to try this place and tell me if you think In-N-Out is better than this, because I do not. Now, again, I got to tell all people their fries, thumbs down, because I'm being honest, 100% real, real, real rap right here, real, real, real bars. But the burger?
1: In and out doesn't have great fries. I though. know.
0: I know. These two places compare very. Again, I've been to Rockies. If you put Rockies in the comment of the show, or if you tweet to me about Rockies, I will slap you. I hate Rockies, one hundred percent, with the passion for a lot of reasons. The burger is okay. The burger is okay. Jeff's Beach Burgers, bomb. Okay, and I'm talking about atomic bomb. Okay, nuclear bomb, boy. <laughs> That's what I did
1: this weekend. Nice. good. Uh, you had a nice time at opening day. You guys were at opening day.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know what? I didn't we didn't talk about this on the other show. We kind of skimmed over it. We started talking about something else. I gotta tell you, man, it's not the same, doesn't feel the same. Craig Dado was the man dog, and then lady Aaron, who has replaced Craig Dado, has been at the track for a very long time. Very sweet woman, very nice, very professional. Um, but Craig's relationships within the community. I'll say that relationships within the community literally made it feel like that was like in a, the event of events. And also Scott said that they were trying to set the record again for most people attended. And so that kind of changed it. It was more open for people to walk around and I'm like, nah, bro, that's not where I went. You went there as a person who does not like horse racing and you like events. People were going to it because it was an event, and this right. year it just really felt like some of the air got let out of the balloon. It was still beautiful; the weather hmm. was still great. It just didn't—it didn't have that same energy.
1: Yeah, Dado's a great guy. What did he move on to do? Did he is he still involved in horses or the track? Uh, he's still
0: or- involved with the Great Friend Stable, but he's also doing a startup uh, tech company uh, gotcha. with Dr. Norman Chow.
1: Oh, okay, nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Shout out to Dr. Chow. Oh, well, good.
1: Yeah, I'm going to yeah, have to get down everyone. there a few times. I like going down to the track during the race season, puffing on a cigar, throwing a few bucks at a couple of lucky numbers. I don't really study the horses like some of these guys that are down there. Oh, my God. I mean, you see some of these guys, it's like their life's work is to know, you know, who the father's
0: grandfather of that horse was. It's unbelievable. A fairy tale down running in the third race. His dad, mm-hmm. stepdad is... All right, man, listen, y'all Now y'all talking about horse pornography, and I'm not really into that, so. <laughs> you, just, you don't know if the horse going to win. I don't know if the horse is going to win. Right. It's all luck. It's all luck. Right. You, you can't handicap animals. I wish people would stop doing that. Uh, speaking of handicapping things, do you believe that San Diego needs something that other cities keep getting? We'll get into that. Again, we already, I already told you how excited I am about training camp opening. And Joe Musgrove, I'm going to pull you to the side, brother. We need to have a conversation. I'm trying to help you help yourself. and I think a lot of y'all know what that's about. But before we get to any of that, you, when you're in business or you're doing business with a competitor, not with someone, but in the same business as someone. And it, it's important for all your success to be good because it makes the group better, but you're still competing against each other. That's what professional sports is, what the NBA is, what the NFL's MLB is. I think the Brooklyn Nets are trying to sabotage other locker rooms. I 100% <laughs> believe this. They're not trading Kevin Durant. They're not. They're just not. Look at, what the, uh, look at what they're asking teams for. So this morning, it breaks that the Boston Celtics have now thrown Jalen, according to Woj, which means it's probably accurate. In their trade offer, they put Jalen Brown in their trade offer, along with Derek White and some picks and blah, blah, blah. If you're asking me, that ain't enough. And apparently, if you're asking the Celtics, I mean, the the Nets, that wasn't enough either. If you're the Celtics, what are you doing? Like, you just swept Kevin Durant. Why do you need Kevin Durant to come join you? You have a 25-year-old really good player in Jalen Brown. And you really have the guy, the equivalent, not as good, but the equivalent of Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum. You don't need two of them. And to get the other one, you got to gut your team at a place where free agents won't go. So you made it to the finals based purely on chemistry, hard work, and defense. I love Kevin Durant. Chemistry is not in his set of skills. It's just not. It's just not. And so... You're willing to gut your entire business for a two-year ad campaign where you hope at the end of the day it'll be successful? You just went through this with Kyrie, who woke up one morning and went, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm good. I'll pass. I want to get out of here. Yeah, I love Kevin Durant. He's not no different. He might wake up tomorrow and go, yep, nope, don't want to do it. So you're running the risk of now blowing up your team because Jalen Brown obviously heard this. And went to the internet and then typed out some stuff. Four-letter words. So, I I don't – you hear this, Jason. What do you think about this trade? Well, I I think it's, you know,
1: ridiculous if you're the Celtics to package this type of team in any way to to, to break it up that's built you – that's gotten you to – what did they get to? Six games in the NBA Finals this year? Yeah. Um Boston And they've progressively – you know, if, if any team has – If any team has proven, trust the process, it's really the Celtics, right? This isn't a gut job because Embiid and Simmons have failed the process, right, because they can't even get to a conference finals. You're talking about a Celtics team that has always gotten better, has reached another plateau as a young group, surrounded by Tatum and Brown and what they've built from that. And then they've been able to graduate to these Eastern Conference Finals and then graduate to being a finals team that was just appended by a better team. This isn't Kevin Durant just being a free agent, wanting to come in. You know, the Golden State Warriors didn't have to gut anything when they welcomed Durant. And he was coming in off an opt-out and he was just, hey, I can't beat you, I'll join you type of a a scenario, whereas the Celtics are ready to say, hey, we've beat you, let's break up some of it. And it's like, not just Kyrie, you haven't learned your lesson about Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, these other experiments that drove wedges into your growth. Who knows where the Celtics would be had they not gone that route? You know, giving up Terry Rozier years ago was a kind of a a, a big, you know, kind of setback, in my opinion, going after uh, Kyrie and Hayward the way they did. That experiment didn't work out. They had to just... As I said, trust the process, and that process has been Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as the integral ingredients of what they've built back around them after losing Rozier, losing Kyrie, losing Hayward, having to get Horford back, making that roster built around these guys, and why go do that? This isn't some very young Kevin Durant in the prime of his career still. High-level Durant, no doubt. No doubt can Kevin Durant play. But as you pointed out earlier in your take, chemistry, right? What are you going to do? Why break up that loyalty and that chemistry that has gotten you two games away from an NBA championship, right? Like I said earlier, this isn't some big disappointment. This isn't some man, Embiid and Simmons and and, and other guys, they can't even get us past the second round after all these years. Let's go figure something out. You know, that's why the Sixers did what they did. That's why, you know, some of these teams do what they do. The Celtics are not one of these teams. The Celtics, if anybody, you can compare to those younger Golden State teams that were up and coming teams I'm not saying they're as good as them yet or maybe they will be if they can get you know but that's the closest thing we've seen to a team that's kind of organically come about and has been able to insert role players around their future players you know i.e. Steph i.e. Clay which is kind of the brown Tatum uh, in Boston so I think it's a terrible and you're right maybe it's the Nets just trying to kind of you know, meddle in the election, right? You 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 bust <laughs> up teams from the inside out. If you can't beat them on the court, it's kind of like Russian interference. Let's take them let let themselves take themselves down, and uh, we'll meddle a little bit. So, I mean, I think that the Celtics should be very weary about getting rid of any of that nucleus that they've got for any of that short term satisfaction or pleasure. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, there's almost been parables and books and bibles that tell you, like, you know, watch out for this type of thing, be careful with what you wish for.
0: I think we've now reached a very interesting point in this entire Kevin Durant situation. I think a lot of people see Kevin Durant and they go, Let's See, he joined the Warriors, they were a super team. You made the perfect point, they didn't have to give anything up to get him, they just had to let a couple guys walk. So, Harrison right. Barnes, bye. That was it. They had to let Harrison Barnes walk away, and get Kevin Durant, which was a no brainer for everybody. Now, if they had to make that trade, and Barnes went and got overpaid in Sacramento, right? So if Dallas first, and then Sacramento. So if
1: Dallas, I'm sorry, and then Sacramento, but he went out and got overpaid. And look, hey, we're gonna overpay. Let's get two rings out of it and go eight and one in the in the NBA Finals in a two year span.
0: (laughs) I mean. If they would have traded and got him from OKC, it would have been a Clay Thompson, Draymond Green situation. Sure, Oklahoma right. City would have said, "Okay, we want Clay Thompson and Draymond Green for Kevin Durant," and it would have been Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, which and picks me, <laughs> and picks, which sounds, by the way, fantastic, but at the same time, you would have completely gutted a large chunk of the chemistry on the Golden State Warriors, and we know the Warriors' success has been totally predicated on chemistry i honestly believe a large portion of why the boston celtics got to the nba finals one because chris middleton got hurt and two chemistry they but that's what you chemistry. do. You take advantage of those things. You have to be opportunistic in basketball.
1: You have to be prepared. You have to have that kind of team chemistry. And you have to show up. You have to be out there on the floor. You know, you have to. And, and those are the things that those old older Golden State teams and this Celtic team, those are the, 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 the attributes they have.
0: So we, we now know that – Jumping teams to create teams with certain superstars won't work. There's another theory out there, and this is more for every sport. Be careful when you gamble on yourself. And I mean, be completely cautious because every start, Joe Musgrove goes out there against a team like the Mets, against a team like the Dodgers. He's losing money. Yesterday's performance, why not bad, five in a third, five hits, four on runs, four Ks. That's not bad. That's not worth $20 million. The time for Joe Musgrove to sign that deal was immediately at, before the All-Star break or after the All-Star break. That was the time you coming off a career achievement award or, or honor. And in addition to that, you can now turn that into cash. Coming out of All-Star break, we don't know what's going to happen, but Joe Musgrove looks like a person pitching with something on his mind. He now looks like a guy pitching with the weight on his shoulder. Not his throwing shoulder, I hope, because I don't want him to get hurt. But Joe Musgrove looks like a guy who's pitching for money, not pitching for love, not pitching for team, pitching for money. And it's starting to show. He went from being 7-0 in his last, like I think it was eight starts, So now I think he's one in four in his last five. So,
1: yeah, and his and since June tenth, on June tenth he beat Colorado in six shutout innings. His ERA went to one point five zero, and since then he's had one, two, three, four, five, six starts, and his ERA has gone up a full point one three. So he's at two six three now after last night, after being at one point five zero on June tenth. And that's a good point. I think right now he's like almost pitching his stock, right? He sees his stock plummeting and he's almost trying to just throw funds at that stock to get Mm -hmm. it back to the mid ones, one, seven, five. So he can be as valuable as he looked on June 10th. Um, And and that's no way to pitch, right? You've got to pitch your opponent. You've got to pitch your matchups. You've got to pitch with keeping in mind that your defense is behind you and your offense comes up at every half inning and uh, not pitch uh, your ERA or your last three to five starts because you're in a contract year. But that's what happens.
0: And I think people get the wrong impression of me and my, my take on Joe Musgrove. I want Joe Musgrove to be on the San Diego Padres. I think it's beneficial for the Padres. I also think it's beneficial for Joe Musgrove to continue to be a member of this organization going forward for a long time. But the cost is very important because I want him to get paid. I don't want him to sign a contract that he'll regret, or I don't want him to go somewhere else because he didn't feel like he got the adequate offer because I want the Padres to make the best offer for him. But I also want them to be able to maneuver after that. And if you give him 20 million, I don't think they're going to be able to maneuver with the level of payroll that they have. And so when you're looking at 15 million, 16 million for a guy who's never right. made that, 15-16 puts you in number 1 territory. Your number 1 starter beats the Dodgers, which he did a good job but they didn't win the game. But that's just, that's how it shakes out. Last night, they give you five runs. Five runs. I mean, that's like 15 runs for the Padres. When the Padres, right. I mean, that's like 15 runs in Padres' years. <laughs> Padres runs like dog years. You get yeah, one, exactly. it's more than what it's supposed to be. It's seven. Every one is seven runs for a pick. Yeah. So, I, 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 again, I think that this is a very pivotal moment for Joe Musgrove. And I hope that he sits down right now and looks at that number and looks at that contract and goes to his agent, sits down and goes, hey, man, I'm happy here. I want to be here. Pull The push and pull of this for another million or two, I'll figure out a way to make that up in this community because they love me and I'm going to have a lifetime money in this community and within the San Diego County area because of what I'm going to mean for this franchise going forward. And so, you know, I mean, if, and if he's really that confident, shorten the deal. Do a three-year deal. And this is where
1: the – I hope the Padres, if there's any truth to this Juan Soto rumor that they're really in the mix, and and this is where they have to have that discussion. You know, P- Preller, these guys have to step in and go, Joe, you signed six years at this right now. That means we can afford this guy and maybe offer him – the six years over that wouldn't you love to have Machado and Soto in there driving runs for you and winning games in six years of this contract and maybe we'll we can pack you with postseason incentives here and we can make up money some other way but like that's where I hope that that the dialogue is coming from the Padres to say look let's make sense of this deal we're not trying to underpay or undercut you we're trying to fit you in to you know, the big picture here. And, you know, you're going to need, as great as you pitch, you're going to need offense to win games. We're going to need offense to win games, and that comes with the cost of money.
0: I honestly believe that we are looking at – because I think that they're going to be in it to the end for Soto. Now, I think the pressure will start to mount when these other guys who are available start getting snatched up. I think that's when you're going to start seeing the pressure ratchet up because the Nats don't have to do anything, but if we no. start to see uh, Wilson Contreras move, we start to see Ian Happ move, we start to see guys move before the actual day of the deadline, it will now put more pressure on the Padres to get something done. And I, I, I know they're. I'm preparing myself now that they're going to give up too much, but giving up too much in a window where Manny can opt out in two years. Tatisius will probably be in full swing for the next three to five years. Soto, by the time it is actually time for that contract to cash in, it'll be an option for Manny to opt out. So you might just be swapping salaries. Manny for, Manny for Soto. I mean, if, if you really, if you are really looking at that from a business perspective, like if Manny goes, all right, man, listen, I think I'm worth more than this now. I'm opting out. You just turn and go, all right, man. Well, good luck on the market. We got Soto. So to tease Soto, as much as Manny has meant to this organization and I want to see him finish here, you also have a lot of guys who've never won here. And to get Soto in the building who actually did, I I think this is a no-brainer for the Padres.
1: Well, I mean, I think a part of it, the the interest that Soto probably has is a lot of it is predicated on him and Manny playing together for a while. And I think possibly if Manny feels like that the Padres are ready to invest in Soto, then, hey, I've signed this deal. I'm not going to opt out. I'm going to see it through for a little longer with the money that they delivered to Soto and delivered to Musgrove and we put a winner on the field. I mean, um You know, I think Machado would love to win somewhere like San Diego. I think he would love that flex. I think he'd love to be able to look around to the Dodgers and the big market teams and be able to be like, I came here. I came, I saw... And I, I, you know, whatever that last phrase is, I can't even. I came, I saw, whatever, and, and I conquered. And and I think that that would be big. And and even if you bring a Soto in, and if you, you know, hey, look, it, you know, it's the Padres' time
0: to spend some money. We'll, this is the we'll, window. to We'll, do we'll it. talk more about this when we come back. Brown and Lawhead, minor two ninety ESPN. Yeah. Brown and Lawhead here on the second half of the show. Welcome to our. Monday, which is everybody's Monday. But most importantly, NFL training camp Monday. So we're going to be doing a lot of football talk, a lot of fantasy football talk. We might uh, – you know, Jason, there's a prop on the line here, Jason Lawhead on the Mighty 1090 okay. ESPN. There's a prop uh, proposition, not prop bet. But there's a proposition coming up on Betting in November. And it's not it, – we're not getting any help from our local Democratic – uh, uh friends here they're they're signing with the tribals okay and i'm telling the tribal people y'all had a good run bruh but it's time to get this gambling in here i ain't got nothing wrong i, I got no <laughs> i got no beef with the people at viejas or saquon or i got no beef with none of y'all i want to gamble from my phone period period y'all invest some money y'all get that nice and spiffyed up over there and it will you will be good i'm a seven mile guy myself but seven mile with the game, they know what time it is. Time so to open it up. Time to get these apps working. But that's not the point.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, every gambler would love it at their hands, right? I mean, if uh, you know, if if every gambler could just do it right from their palm, they'd love to be able to do that. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of different layers to this, and who gets the money and where the tax money goes. So you can see certain points, but uh yeah, I mean. It will come. I think it's going to come because eventually it's going to be everywhere, and California is not going to
0: miss out on that. I think if you're the if, listen, if you're the if you're California, look at what marijuana has done for the, for the, the state's revenue. Just look at it. Look at it. It's, it's blown away everything else. It's mm-hmm. literally blown away everything else. We are in a surplus because of it. Now, if you yep. add gambling onto that, because clearly if we were struggling before what's happening at the casinos aren't flowing into the pockets of, of the state's coffers, gambling, online gambling will do that legalized sports betting in California. will do that because you can tax the buttload, whether it be per bet you make or per winning, you take home, you can tax that in a, in a way that there will be another tremendous windfall that you quite frankly, can't measure. Because the easier you make it to, for people to gamble, the more likely people will do it. So I say that because obviously we got training camps opening up and we're talking about football. And so I want to give you guys another scenario. Because we'll talk about the AFC at some point because I want to catch you guys up and get you guys ready for camps. But the XFL is now, along, they, they have now told you the cities where they're going. And let me read these out to you. Jason, you tell me what you think mm-hmm the xfl is now going to dallas houston san antonio las vegas orlando st louis seattle and dc does that make your ears perk up at any point in time
1: no i mean the xfl doesn't make my ears perk up So uh, needless to say, obviously, Texas is a smart place to go. The Midwest, St. Louis, those type of areas, uh, Vegas, highly populated, something you can kind of, you know, extra type of scenario that you can do in Las Vegas. I understand that, you know, D.C., Seattle. I don't know. Um, You know, Seattle's become a big soccer town. Mm -hmm. As well, you know, as, uh, you know, and, uh, I think that they're starving to get their basketball team back more than anything. They support Mm -hmm. their Seahawks when their Mariners are winning, they support their Mariners. Um, I don't know. I mean, they support their soccer team. Will XFL be something that they, you know, they recently got an NHL team that they they seem to be excited about. Will XFL come in there and be able to penetrate into that? I don't know. Well, DC is, you know, such a political town and yeah, they have the Nationals. Yeah, they have have the uh, Wizards. Yeah, and obviously the the Washington Football Commanders or whatever their name is is are they are will always be the top of the town no matter how bad that franchise is they can go zero and 16 three years in a row and those people will always come out and in you know san antonio kansas city you know houston yeah these places there's enough football fiends That i mean they pack high school stadiums with 10 15 yeah. 000 people so i get that maybe um but you know none of it perks my ears up really uh to any degree um but talking NFL training camp does.
0: <laughs> I will tell you this. This does not belong in San Diego. No. So that was the point of this conversation. This does not belong in San Diego. San Diego doesn't want this. San Diego doesn't no. need this. And there's nowhere to put this. This no. won't look good on television because this is being groomed as a television product because they've already got their TV deal lined up. This is summer football. This isn't winter football. No. So all these cities. Exactly. That Which in, is a San Diego you're wiping a San Diego
1: market right out. I mean, who wants to go watch football in the summer in San Diego? I'd rather go watch my kid, or if I had a kid, or I'd rather go throw the football with a
0: buddy on the beach in San right. Diego during this summer than go watch football. Um, I, think that, I, I, mean, a, I think that has a lot to do with why they're not in Los Angeles. I think that has a lot to do with why they're not in New York. I think that has a lot to do with why they're not in Chicago. The cities that they – missed not missed out on but didn't choose are ironic cities that are large and have lots to do in the summertime like orlando in the summer what are you really doing in orlando same thing for san antonio same thing for houston dallas is cool so i don't really have a problem with dallas i thought that they should have aimed more towards austin than one of those other three but it is what it is so I I don't know what the – I don't necessarily know what to think of this. this Yeah, Austin is more for the
1: arts, though. You know, Austin has that – more of that arts kind of following. You know, they've got University of Texas football come fall. They look forward to that year-round. That's kind of a, you know, a talking point. That's kind of their pro pro sport down there. And they're more of a, you know, an arts town. Follow the honky-tonks. Follow the music. uh, Follow the arts and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think more of those traditional Texas towns fit into that realm. But this isn't something San Diego's going to go for. It's just not. And, you know, uh, get get this team, an, an NFL or an NBA team. Um, get this town, I should say, an NFL or NBA team. And they'll go wild for that, I think. Yikes.
0: Oh, man. Listen, I I just don't think this team, I don't think this city. Wants another minor league filling no. anything. We've got what, two soccer teams, a, a hockey team.
1: We got a lacrosse team. I
0: mean, we got enough of that stuff. If you want something to watch, there's plenty of stuff to watch. I don't think mm-hmm. the XFL of mid-to-level guys who could not make practice squads starring in San Diego. So – that's my take on it. Uh, good luck to the XFL. I'm pretty sure Dwayne, the rock Johnson's got enough money to support it. He'll do another bad yeah. movie. And there's enough uh, streaming services. There's enough people that'll, yes, you know, go
1: yes. uh, look, there's enough content feeders out there for it to, yes. to, 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 to live, live, to exist. But I just don't see it ever, you know, getting to a point of anything more than this, this interesting, like us talking about where they might go. That's
0: the, and then once they get there, they've hit their ceiling. Yeah. The AFC West may have made some of the wilder, larger moves than anything we've ever seen in the history of the league. Right now, in the AFC West, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr are your four starting quarterbacks. I don't know if you know this, but can you tell me of a time where there were four quarterbacks all quite possibly either in going into their prime in their prime, or just about to start exiting their prime all in the same division. I can't think of it. Can you tell me a division that had quite possibly the best wide receiver in a division in Devontae Adams, the chargers have two Keenan Allen is a top 10 wide receiver. They've got, running backs and and tight ends up the wazoo in this division not to mention the defenses the head coach this is going to be this was an arms race in the offseason and now we're going to see them fight it out who in the afc west has made a move over the summer that got your attention and now you really want to see how it sticks
1: well, I think obviously Devonte Adams to the Raiders is
0: probably
1: the most intriguing uh, insertion because you had a team that really came together through all of that muck last year and you know, if you look at everybody other than the other than the, the Super Bowl game, if you look at everybody, uh, you know, they gave the Bengals kind of the, the toughest challenge that the Bengals had in the in the postseason. Um, and so with the with that kind of confidence rolling over, McDaniel coming in with his system, obviously they got a coach that was very sought after, you know, as far as being the next new big head coach in football. They bring Devontae out of so you know, I was talking to a buddy the other day, and to me, it's the AFC is it's it's kind of like, especially in the AFC West, are are the Chiefs still really for real? You know, you're asking, here's the question, are the Chiefs still for real? Are the Chargers for real and which one of the Broncos or and the Raiders can be for real? And I think. All of these teams have their chances. Yes, getting Russell Wilson was huge for the Broncos to at mm-hmm. least just try to even be somebody that isn't a bottom feeder in that division, right? When you talk about it. So now they're trying to muscle up their way from the basement and with a good defense and some other good skilled players, uh, we'll see if they've got that kind of you know tenacity to stay on that long schedule with that with those other teams. Right now, we've talked about it on paper. I, I just think that the Chargers are the best team, but I think the most intriguing move is definitely Devontae Adams. Can he take this offense and make them a team that you're sitting there going, oh, boy, we got a dread going out on the field against these guys because if, if Carr and him can even somewhat resemble what, what Rodgers and Carr did – uh there's gonna be some teams on notice in the AFC West and that you know like as much as they love what they've got going on the Raiders could be that sneaky sneaky team and you know that that you know and but I I said it's the AFC West it's you know it's anybody it's anybody in the AFC West or it's everybody in the AFC West it's it's kind of anybody whoever is the bangles this year in the afc north it could be anybody it could be the Bengals again it could be the browns it could be the ravens it could be the steelers depending on how the direction of all those teams and then it's just basically the bills um and that's the afc it's the it's it's everybody in the afc west anybody who can come out of the afc north who's going to be that team and the bills A- and that's it in the afc so the I AFC think- West is really holding a lot of the power cards in here. I mean, they, theoretically, you can get with the, with the new alignment, you can get all four teams in the playoffs. You could have all three wild cards coming out of the AFC West, potentially.
0: I think what we are looking at, and I am going to try to, because I think the, Devont, the Devontae Adams move was huge. Don't get me wrong. I think the biggest move that's gotten the least attention is Khalil Mack to the Chargers. Mm -hmm. I think with him and Joey Bosa rushing from both ends, with the cornerback, with Darren James as his safety, I think the Chargers' defense, which was supposed to be Staley's calling card, I think their defense last year left too much on the table to be desired. And I thought that they looked at what they have at Justin Herbert, and they're taking a swing at Khalil Mack who if healthy might be the best pass rusher in los angeles and you and now you're going to put that in the division because once you got it once Derek carr showed that he could take that team to the playoffs on your back if you're the charger fan you then knew you needed to do something when russell wilson then came in the division and for them to counter i mean because obviously they weren't getting a new quarterback they've got one of the best running backs in the league They've got two great wide receivers and and, uh, and, and, um, uh, Keenan Allen and the kid who's escaping me right now. So their offense was set. But, oh, my goodness. If this defense can keep a guy like Patrick Mahomes from getting comfortable, I know they can keep a guy like Derek Carr from getting comfortable. And if you can run Russell Wilson into a point where – He's always running for his life. I think that you now have found the key to the division, and it's not on the offensive side of the ball, because the Chiefs' defense is terrible, the Raiders' defense is salvageable, and the Broncos' defense is the second-best defense in the division, but we don't know what they're going to be like offensively under Russell Wilson. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, that was a huge pickup, and like you said, obviously,
1: he's got to become the – he's got to be – you know, you got to be a comeback type player of the year um, for that all to work out. But I mean, yeah, you know, if Khalil Mack is even 85% of what what we've seen him be at his best, that Charger defense ranks right up there as one of the best in the league, especially with, you know, some of the holes that left that Rams defense with Von Miller going over to the Bills and whatnot. But, um, and you're right, they're kind of more, if Mack is what he is, that that Charger defense is probably a more valuable side of the ball than their offense, and then look out because if the offense can stay healthy, and and you're you're right, if if they keep Herbert upright, um, they, I just I I really think that you know a lot of it's going to depend on Staley and game planning, and can he can he out coach more than he's out coached. This Charger team is very, very, very good on paper. It's Like we've talked about, probably the best Charger team going into a uh, training camp that we can remember uh, off the top of our head when you talk about balance, experience now. You can't say that they don't have experience. You know, they were a a doorstep of playoff team, you know, a year ago against teams in a really good division. And I think if they've learned a lot of what sent them home packing, and can roll that into this year, they're going to be extremely dangerous. And like you said, the Chiefs kind of have a lot to prove. Are they still those Chiefs that we got to be scared of, you know, without Tyreek Hill, with diminishing defense, you know, a lot of times their defense will pick it up as the season goes on. And you give them a lot of credit because a lot of times, even in their best seasons, they've had a defense that has started off really bad and they've gained momentum as the season goes on. So can they be one of those teams again? um because now the measuring sticks tougher in the AFC West um they're not going to get into the rearview mirror even playing really good football as quickly as they have in the past you know um so there's going to be you know either the Chargers neck and neck or ahead of them and even if they're ahead of the Chargers it's going to be them in the rearview mirror uh, and possibly a, a Raiders team playing well and you never know what you know it, it's a roll of the dice in Denver um but you but you know what Russell Wilson's gone 12 and four now there's 17 games, but he's gone 12 and four or 11 and five in seasons before with teams that you've kind of went, wow, how did he get that Seahawks team, you know, um, to that to that record. And, and all of a sudden they're sitting there at a, you know, two or three seed in the, in their conference. So, you know, it's a different animal uh, Denver than Seattle, but, Uh, Russell Wilson still got some years in him. So it's going to be fun. That AFC West, like I said, it's everybody in that conference, anybody in in the North and and the Bills. And uh, that's really about it in the AFC.
0: I think we're going to have a a very interesting turn of events at some point in the year in that division. I know, obviously, it's football, so someone will get hurt. But I think some coaching is going to be exposed as well. Because obviously Andy Reid is the best coach. But then you've got a rookie coach coming in in Denver. You've got a rookie – not a rookie coach, but you have a, a first time for the Raiders, a guy mm-hmm. taking the helm, the whistle, so to speak, in, in Las Vegas. And then you got the Chargers who – their their head coach basically had a brain fart. Like, that mm-hmm. was going to make the playoffs. All he had to do was do nothing, and he wouldn't not do <laughs> nothing. So those things are not for, – they're forgiven – they're not forgotten. And so right. if your head coach in, in in Los Angeles looks like a choker, we don't know if the Broncos new head coach is worth anything. Cause he's a I think he's a thirty five, I think, thirty-six. Yeah, his biggest
1: uh challenge is gonna With be connecting Hackett, I think as is. a head connecting to the locker room as a head
0: coach and not right. the arm of a head coach. And that's and we, and be we his know biggest Josh challenge. McDaniels. We know Josh McDaniels thinks he's Bill Belichick, and that's what we need another person who thinks they're Bill Belichick out there. Right. And that's that's yeah, McDaniel. That's what
1: his biggest his biggest thing is gonna be win over the locker room immediately and keep him on your side the whole time, even through the you know, the 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 navigating some, you know, rough times and a couple game losing streaks or losing games, you know. People thought you should have won, and they're gonna because you know, every coach, all the great coaches, even the greatest coaches, you know, Bill Belichick has had many games where he's been second guest over the years, and some of them have been Super Bowls. Um, right. and then there's other games where you're like, wow, the guy's a genius, and uh, he was able to do this or that and the other thing. So, you know, that's gonna be can McDaniel find that happy medium between being the guy that uh, you know, can hold the locker room together and 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 and, and look good in the media when you know, there's games that he's going to be questioned on when in the when clock management or this decision or the decision to punt or the decision to go for it. And then all of a sudden you lose by a field goal. So those are going to be the things, those are going to be the growing pains for the, for the Broncos. Um, you know, that's the things that Andy Reid doesn't worry about anymore. You know, those are the things he used to worry about as a younger coach. And, and uh, those are the things that Staley has to get past him. You're right. It's not for it's forgiven, but it's not forgotten because mm-hmm. if you do it again, then it's just blown up even more. It's 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 forgotten if you <laughs>
0: go on and take a team to the Super Bowl and, and do all the right things. So we're going to keep trying to do the right thing next tomorrow. Next show, you want to do mm-hmm. NFC West or NFC, or you want to keep it in the AFC? I'd say we do the AFC North since I'm a, a Cleveland guy, and then we'll go to NFC
1: West after that. How's that? All
0: right, tomorrow, we got. Well, now you guys know, we'll do NFC North. We'll talk Browns. We'll talk Bengals. Mm-hmm. We'll talk Steelers, and we'll talk Ravens. Will they pay Lamar? Will Watson even make the field this year? We'll see. We'll talk about it. Brown and Lawhead. Yeah. See y'all tomorrow, Mitre 1090 ESPN. Peace. Peace. Peace.